All Topics with Jason Edgar. I am your host for the next hour. Excited to be joining you live Thursday, February 20th, 2020. Is it really 2020? Has anyone even noticed that today? And then February is a 2 2. Well, Oops All Topics is broadcast to you live every Thursday on 99.1 FM WZQC, the Q. Yeah, that's right. You might be scrolling through your radio dial and you just heard me stop and listen. We'll stop your car, though. Follow or DM on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedger. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsawtopics.podbean.com. Subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And finally, the views and opinions of this show are not the views of Morton College or Morton College Radio. All right. I mean, I slid into this room today because it has been just so busy and I have been so slammed. Uh, I'm really even surprised that I got my research done, to be quite honest. It was on my to-do list for a while, but uh, it has been a rushed day, and as you know, every Thursday is just jam-packed for me, and actually, this radio show is like my only my only savior of the day. I finally get to sit down and relax and talk to all of you listening. So anyways, uh, errors and omissions from last week. Um, I had some lithologica on one of the strangest words. Now, for those of you that don't know what lithologica is, lithologica is whenever you have a word on the tip of your tongue. And since this show is live and we don't have any edits uh, for, for the podcast or the radio show, uh, we just have to kind of trudge on even if we don't know the, uh, know the word. And do you know what word I messed up on last week or couldn't think of? Teabag. <laughs> When I was referencing being happily ever after, like let's say you marry somebody and they like they enjoy drinking tea and they're sitting there drinking they're they're sitting there making their tea and all of a sudden they take the tea bag and just, you know, put it on the counter. That's not happily ever after, is it? I actually saw that it's like a little anecdote from uh, the the show Sex and the City. Uh, because they have like uh, I think it's Charlotte and her husband have like this perfect relationship that he's uh I think he does it when he's naked, too, so it's just twice as worth. Anyways, so yeah, I couldn't think of the word teabag last week. Uh, also, um, to be very specific on uh, the, the name of the Dexter character in Season 5 that I didn't know her name. Her name is Lumen. Lumen is the name of that character. She's the uh, she's the female heroine in Season 5. I'm not so, so sure she's a heroine. She's more of like a, um, what did I say, maybe love interest, but it's more like a rebound after Rita. Uh, that season also features Johnny Lee Miller, uh, uh, Elementary's own Sherlock. Uh, that was his role before 
Um, he became uh, Sherlock Holmes on Elementary, and he plays a guy named Jordan Chase, and he has like this American accent, and he, he really pulls it off pretty good. Uh, season five is considered one of the worst seasons of Dexter. Um, it, it comes off the heels of one of the best seasons of Dexter, season four, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything, Joseph McGee, whenever you say, oh, well, spoiler alert for season four. I mean, it is just common knowledge, whether you watch Dexter or not, that season four of Dexter is just amazing. I encourage anybody to go out and watch Dexter. Um, the, the more you watch it, it's harder to get through, I think, the first season. Uh, but the first season, the first time you ever watch it, super good. The second season's really good, and, and I think the fourth season's good. Is good. Uh, so you might as well just do season three as well. And last but not least, um, I think I had some Liptologica on the word contested convention, or at least what is a contested convention. So I did some research. In United States politics, a brokered convention, sometimes referred to as an open convention and closely related to a contested convention, can occur during a presidential election when a political party fails to choose a nominee on the first round of delegate voting at the party's nomination convention. Oh boy, this kind of sounds like where we're going, and I'll explain that in our featured, uh, I'm sorry, in our discussion of the front runner. Once the first ballot or vote has occurred and no candidate has a majority of the delegates votes, the convention is then considered brokered thereafter. The nomination is decided through a process of alternating political horse trading, superdelegate vote trading, and additional revotes. That's all I'm going to talk about there. Um, I wanna, Okay, so 1968 is a famous uh, brokered convention, and it happened in Chicago, down here in Chicago. It's a super famous uh, uh, brokered convention. But the reason they didn't have a candidate is because that year they were thinking LBJ was going to seek re-election. He didn't. So just pretend, like, right now that Trump just decided, hey, I'm not going to run for president. That would be nuts, considering it's like six months away from the, from the election, and the Republicans have to like scramble to find somebody to uh, put in his place. And so, in 1968, LBJ says, I'm not going to run for re-election, and so everyone's like, okay, let's have RFK do it. But then he's assassinated! So they seriously just did not know what to do in 1968. And that led to Nixon. Do you see what happens when you have a broker convention? You get Richard Nixon. Alright. So anyways, actually, let's go ahead and do that. Let's just jump to my frontrunner segment. Uh, we usually end the current events with frontrunner, but we'll go ahead and start it uh, because we had a debate last night. And I think everybody in the country really enjoyed this debate. This was like the one that stood out the most. Uh, Bloomberg was a big old punching bag. The general consensus was that he did not do well. Um, the emperor has no clothes because at the, up to this point he was kind of like a myth like no one really even knew who he was outside of New York and then suddenly here he is and he's got a lot of baggage he's got more baggage than O'Hare am I right fellas <laughs> oh boy but as far as like things kind of like it's becoming more and more simpler you're, you're starting to see like the really thinning of the herd like if you weren't on that debate stage last night, which was Bernie, Bloomberg, Warren, Biden, Pete, and Amy, just stop running for president. It's going to be one of these six individuals. If you can't figure out who you want out of these six individuals, like, there, there's something wrong. Because we have Bloomberg, who's a Republican. We have Bernie, who's pretty far left. Um, Elizabeth Warren, who's not so left, but still pretty left. And then we have a mixture, like, a mixture of female moderate, male but homosexual moderate, and leadership moderate with Joe Biden. Like, you can find somebody to vote for other than Trump in those, in those individuals. Even if you were a conservative person, just vote for Mike Bloomberg. 
Uh, one argument that I was hearing before the debate was that um, a lot of Bernie supporters are very visceral online, and I think that that's just, I think that's, well, I'm not going to say that it's patently false, but there's hateful people on the internet. You can't tell me that Trump supporters aren't hateful. I had to block one of my relatives just recently because they were being super hateful on social media. It's one of the reasons why I deactivated my Facebook. Uh, so you know, a Buddhist like me is not going to be is not going to be being hateful towards anybody on social media and things like that. And I'm a possibly a Bernie supporter. So it's just it, it's one of my least favorite um, persuasive fallacies, which is hasty generalization, where you're just you're rushing to a conclusion about every Bernie supporter. Like I'm not going to burn down the system if Bernie doesn't get the nomination. I'll be very frustrated if Superdog gets to get to pick the nomination. But I'm not going to, like, burn down the establishment. It's not like Bernie or Bust for me. So stop saying it's like that for everybody. I don't think every Trump supporter is, like, a severely uneducated far-right individual. You know, there's, there's people that attend church that like Trump. One, I think, had the night of her life last night because she just used Bloomberg as a punching bag. And, and it showed, like, what she would do in the face of Trump. She's not going to let some billionaire with lots of sexual harassment charges just walk all over her. And she really showed, uh, she really showed what it's about. Uh, Biden, Pete, and Amy, like, what else do you want me to say? Uh, they're all moderates. They're all, you know, they all have, like, some sort of small critique of, AC, of the Affordable Care Act. Um, I'm not so sure the public option is the way to go, considering we'll still have insurance companies that are just really awful. <coughs> Bernie Sanders is the current delegate uh, winner, but I heard even coming into here today that if he doesn't have 1,991 delegates by the end of like uh, all this this primary season, then we are going to go into a contested convention, and then it's going to go to super delegates, and I'm not sure that Bernie would win that, which is the unfortunate thing because when you look at every single category, Bernie's just winning. He could win in a general election between with, with between him and Donald Trump, but if it goes to a brokered convention. And we have to, and it comes down to just super delegates. Chances are Bernie's not going to win, which is sad because you know he's a good candidate and lots of people like him. Uh, let's see here on the Corona Corner. Uh, learned this morning that two people were dead from the uh, from the Diamond Princess um, cruise ship. And for those of you that don't know, that was the uh, that was the cruise ship that was being quarantined. And there was this doctor on that ship that said, "This is the worst quarantine ever. Like, wh- we don't even know why we're here, uh, it being in this certain quarantine because we're just sitting here, just passing the virus back and forth to each other. Like, he's just saying that it wasn't like an ideal situation for being quarantined, and it probably made things worse. So, anyways, two people are dead because of a virus that they contracted on the cruise ship. Now, think about that for a second. You and your loved one are getting ready for a wonderful, epic cruise ship adventure. You get on that cruise ship, and then you're dead because of a virus you contracted on that ship. Wow. That is crazy. Um, the idea that I still have a Corona Corner on my new show is kind of horrifying. I can't wait till the last episode, or the last, <laughs> the last episode, oh my. Uh, the last segment of Corona Corner, whenever I can just say, hey, the virus has stopped spreading, but... It's not like I was watching Good Morning America this morning, and we were and Jess and I saw this like these two people that were dead from the uh, from the cruise ship, and, we're, and, the, and then they show the numbers of how many people have this, and then how easy it is to to transfer, and then I can like live in the pipes and stuff, and it's like uh, this is gonna be worse than SARS. This is gonna be worse than bird flu. 
people aren't saying things like, um, oh, it's, you know, it's, it, the flu's worse. Really? I never, I, I never heard anybody, like, dying off of the cruise ship because of the flu. Maybe they did. I don't know. So let's, let's go to more, kind of like more laid back news, no pun intended. Um, I saw something in the Chicago Tribune that kind of piqued my interest, and it's, it's, it's due to, uh, it's, it, let me just read you the, uh, the article title. The state, I'm meaning Illinois, may experience a year-long marijuana shortage. This comes from Rob McCoppin from the Chicago Tribune. Legal marijuana shortages in Illinois are expected to last six months to a year or more, industry members warn, due to a lack of production capacity in the state. The long lines, product shortages, and store closures seen since the state authorized legal sales starting on New Year's Day are not unusual for nearly legal markets, but the tight market is expected to continue longer than in other states in part because Illinois has only 21 cultivation warehouses far fewer than in many other states with legal cannabis. The limit on the number of growers is a result of existing medical marijuana growers maintaining that they could supply the market without any new cultivation licenses, despite studies that predicted they could not meet the demand. Okay, so remember a couple of episodes ago where I was just talking about the long lines at Illinois? Well, that's actually pretty crazy considering that, like, uh, th- this actually has been predicted, and... And, the, and it's not bec- and, and I and I said at the time, man, Illinois really likes to smoke a lot of weed. No, what was happening was is whenever you got to the front of the line, they would just say, "You can't have two hundred and fifty dollars worth of things. You can only have like let's say sixty dollars worth of marijuana." And so that meant people would have to go more and more often, which created more and more lines. Uh, and the reason that they were limited on what they could get was because, well, there's a shortage of marijuana in the state. And the reason that there's a shortage of marijuana in the state is because no one's growing it. And this is this is where capitalism really isn't, you know, solving, right? Like, Illinois knew that marijuana was going to be legal eventually. How come there's not more cultivators? Like, the reason that Colorado and California hasn't seen this problem is because they have so many cultivators up and down. Um, So maybe the the way that they did it, so, like, specifically, and it was really hard to maybe get a license or something, maybe it's coming back to haunt them. But there was actually something whenever we were pointing out that these extremely long lines weren't going away. There's a shortage. And, uh, and, and and because it's a shortage, people aren't getting as much, and so they have to go more and more often. So I just thought that that was a pretty interesting, uh, interesting uh, study, uh, if not in just simple market capitalism. Once again, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. Um, I'm still in my current events sections, and we're going to, <laughs> it's, it's 420, how how ironic is that? And I'm still talking about current events. You know, in all honesty, I might not have that much of a featured section today because I was kind of, mis- I misled myself. Don't you hate when you do that? I misled myself on what the topic was going to be this week. Okay, uh, we can't have a current events section without talking about Trump, although it's been kind of a pretty pretty quiet week, I think, as far as like uh, Trump is concerned. Uh, a lot of it has been swirling around this um, his relationship with Bill Barr. Uh, Bill Barr, uh, from what I've heard, is contemplating quitting because it's his job is just so impossible with Donald Trump just tweeting out all the things that he does and William Barr has to like respond to it or, you know, play both sides of like, you know, talking to the Justice Department who's supposed to be blind justice but we know Donald Trump is it. And so, um, and, and, and actually, Roger Stone was sentenced just one hour ago, and it says here, according to the Washington Post, 
Roger Stone sentenced to three years and four months in prison. So he was expecting um, seven or eight years, and he got three or four, and it's probably because of Donald Trump uh, complaining on Twitter. Um, uh, Members of the Justice Department are resigning at this moment. Uh, only because, like, this, it's kind of like turning into kind of like a banana republic justice department where, you know, Trump is friendly to his allies and hateful towards his enemies. And, you know, nobody wants to be privy to that. That's like, you know, kind of, it respects the rule of law. I miss Oops impeachment. I was so much better at talking about stuff like that. Stuff like that. Uh. It's really been all about the Democrats lately. Like, I, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about Trump-wise, and uh, then the Democrats like took a lot of the air out of the room. I think Mike Bloomberg really being in the debate has really like put a spotlight on the Democratic race because people were probably tuning out whenever there were like 26 people running for president, and now that we've got it down to like six, and everybody can just name them, name all six people without having to worry about forgetting anybody. Like even those people like Andrew Yang and Marie, Ab- or I don't even remember her name now, Marianne. Williamson are all gone. Now we have like six strong contenders who, you know, let's face it, all of them could be the nominee or at least hold up the nominee from getting being president. So the Democrats are actually more entertaining at this moment. <clears throat> I really want to talk about Birds of Prey. Um, hold on one second. Actually, so sorry. There's always one little bit where I do some on-air production, and you guys are always so nice to just kind of let me sit. Okay. So anyways... For the second week in a row, Birds of Prey has just been a sad disappointment at the at the uh, at the movies, and I feel like I saw this coming because what was the name of that of, of Birds of Prey before it before it was like changed to like Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey? Wasn't it called like in the in the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn? That is a ridiculous name. Whoever came up with that. It had so many words in it, and it's not going to fit on a movie marquee. There was just one time where you were not supposed to be silly, but I digress. So, I, I want to say that they shortened it to Birds of Prey. Well, what does that mean? That sounds like a, that sounds like a, a nature documentary, Birds of Prey. And aside from being an R-rated movie, it didn't do very good. And it, and it matters to be an R-rated movie because if it's not R-rated, kids have to take their parents to go see it. I've talked about this before. It's the reason why Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 made so much money. That's like double the tickets. So they sh- they probably shouldn't have made it a rated R movie. And they should have just called it Harley Quinn or something. So. You know who didn't suffer that problem? Sonic! <laughs> Boom! Sonic the Hedgehog. I didn't go see it, but everyone else did. Biggest video game opening of all time. And on track to baby movie being the biggest February movie opening of all time. That's fantastic for little Sonic the Hedgehog. But again, doesn't have an R rating, and you know exactly what it is. That movie's not called Balls of Fury. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog. It's not called Sonic the Hedgehog's Balls of Fury. <laughs> I seriously didn't mean for it to come out that way. But you'll get my point. Let me know your movies from now on, DC. Alright. I also want to start a segment called What I'm Watching. Uh, Jess and I are... Uh, I, uh, I, 
since uh, since we got some big paychecks coming in now, <laughs> HBO is the first thing that gets cut. But once I start teaching school again, I, I turn on the HBO, and it's like, it's like fifteen bucks a month. But man, when you're not getting those big paychecks, it's like it really feels like a lot. But anyways, there's a there's a documentary called McMillan. Mac, I'm sorry, McMillan, and it's a six it's a six episode documentary. About the uh, about like the big scam that happened during like McDonald's monopoly a couple of years ago, maybe a couple decades ago. Uh, we're just now getting into it. It looks like people were distributing the game pieces uh, unfairly, but I'll talk with you more about that as I get into it. We do like one episode a day. Uh, I also watched Finding Forrester. Very good movie. Very dated. You can definitely tell that it was like made in like 1998 or 2002. And then uh, after that, she promised that uh, Jess really wants to watch Joker. And so I said, if we watch Joker, can we watch The Dark Knight afterwards? I think that would be such a good, like, movie uh, a movie stack because that's kind of like the Joker origin story, movie Joker. And then you have the best Joker movie ever with The Dark Knight. And you know those, those two characters, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger, like, they kind of... You can kind of see, like, if there's, like, a time period in between the two movies that they would kind of almost meld into into the Heath Ledger character. So, uh, that's what I'm hoping to do. I won't, like, really report anything on it. Maybe I'll have some sort of Batman versus Joker uh, episode coming up. Once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. Follow, share, and download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com. And be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. I know there's a lot of you out there that have not reviewed the show. Go tell them how awesome it is. And thank you for joining us in Chicago. Was it cold this morning? Of course it was cold. It was like 9 degrees. All right. Let's transition to weird science. Hey, can I try this Price is Right uh, soundboard real quick? (laughs) Was that a no? (laughs) Well, at least I'm entertaining myself. Okay, let's move on to weird science. You want to hear... You know, we should just give Aaron just on-air production credit because every single every single week he gives me one. I think he got the one last week. Uh, but he also wanted me to talk about the insane science behind reaction videos. I didn't talk about this last week, did I? There's no way. But anyways, uh, he's talking about just like if you ever watch a video that is a video of another person watching a video and their reaction, uh, there's actually a, a, a unique science behind that. Uh, but anyways, uh, videos of people reacting to games or commercials or the deaths of legendary pop stars or old school computer software are incredibly popular online these days. Uh, lots of people make them, but the reigning champs are comedy duo Fine Brothers. Their various YouTube channels have over 20 million subscribers, and their channels devoted to nothing but reaction videos, simply titled React, has over 903 million views. I think I should get a YouTube video or a YouTube page and start putting uh, Oops All Topics on on YouTube. Is that a good idea? Someone listening to this, get on Instagram or Twitter and tell me that's a good idea. But anyways, why is there so much science behind reaction videos or why do we like them so much? Well, first of all, it's the possible mirror in our brains. We could explain away the popularity of these videos as hashtag youths being hashtag youths and leave it at that. But science has a deeper explanation that might have to do with empathy and what are called mirror neurons. In the 90s, a group of Italian researchers discovered that when a... 
some type of weird monkey reaches for food, certain neurons light up in its brain. Those same neurons light up when the monkey sees a human reach for food, too. Later named neuroneurons, some believe these cells are active in human brains as well, but their existence is controversial. Macaw? Macaw monkeys? I don't know. We could also be binging on emotion. Empathy, empathy may be another reason React videos are so easy to watch. Most viral things on the internet are easily digested, either due to subject matter, the sillier the better, or duration, the shorter the better. React videos are neither the shortest videos online, nor are their topics always funny. Instead, their digestible digestibility comes from recognizable emotion. In communication, we call that emotional contagion. And it's probably the same way that uh, Frankie watches and learns how to eat by just watching me eat and watching my subtle reaction to food and whether it's like hot or cold or things like that. So um, I think that just pretty much comes down to monkey see, monkey do. Um, I mean, it literally has a monkey in it, right? Um, and sure, a lot of this uh, is, uh, deals with uh, mirror neurons. Uh, but again, what do we like to watch monkeys do? We like to watch, you know, monkeys play video games. Uh, someone's even told me to do um, uh, uh, the show on Twitch so people could watch me do this show. But trust me when I say it's not fun. I'm just kind of sitting in front of a computer screen. I kind of throw my hands up every once in a while, one hand. So, Anyways, that's really interesting for sure. For sure, reaction videos. And again, if you ever want to have, if there's ever anything you want me to talk about on Word Science, just uh, just uh, you know, slide into those DMs. Uh, Jess uh, ha- has sent me something about turtles. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it this week, um, but it's basically they found a turtle fossil that is the size of a car. So imagine a, you know, a turtle the size of a car. <laughs> Tune in next week if you want to hear more about it. But anyways, uh, this next one had Weird Science just written all over it. Space-time is swirling around a star, proving Einstein right again. All right, so we got some space-time. Anything going with, like, Doctor Strange or Ant-Man or Albert Einstein or, I don't know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm always involved. <coughs> anyways. The way the fabric of space and time swirls in a cosmic whirlpool around a dead star has confirmed yet another prediction from Einstein's theory of general relativity, a new study finds. That prediction is a phenomenon known as frame dragging, or the lens throwing effect. It states that space-time will churn around a massive rotating body. Imagine Earth were submerged in honey. As the planets rotated, the honey around it would swirl, and the same holds true with space-time. That just makes me want, like, an oats and honey granola bar. Imagine if the whole Earth was coated in honey. Mmm. Satellite experiments have detected frame dragging in the gravitational field of rotating Earth, but the effect of extraordinarily small and, therefore, has been challenged to measure. Has been eight, has been challenging to measure. I'm sorry. Objects with greater masses and more powerful gravitational fields, such as white dwarfs and neuron stars, offer better chances to see this phenomenon. I have got to do more research on um, this thing going on right now. You know what? I'll do it right now. If you go to Google News right now and type in Beetlegeist, something's happening in the news. Beetlegeist supernova unlikely despite unusual dimming. So there's like this star called Beetlegeist, or maybe that's what you call a star right before it explodes. But do you know what Beetlegeist is? That's the name of Beetlejuice. Someone was saying this on the news earlier, and I was like, don't say it a third time. 
that's if do you want Beetlejuice to appear? Because that's how it appears. Beetlegeist is usually the tenth brightest star in the night sky, and oh, it's the okay. So it's the tenth brightest star in our night sky. So whenever you're looking up at the stars tonight, my little my little cupcakes, the tenth brightest star, Beetlegeist is actually dimming, and that's confusing scientists. But as I mentioned, I might talk about that in later episodes. And also, space time is swirling around a star. I don't think that that necessarily that star is necessarily Beetlegeist though. Is that it? Is that it of my evidence? Hmm. Well, how fun was that? <coughs> and here I thought I wasn't going to have a lot of time to talk with my featured discussion. Once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. Have I called the show enough today? <laughs> Broadcast live every Thursday on 99.1 FM, WZQC, the Q, already halfway done. And don't forget the Oops All Replay, Tuesdays at 4 on 99.1 FM. I was going to be able to listen to that on the way home on Tuesday, but then our faculty meeting ended up being two hours long. (laughs) I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. It, you know what? If I was going to complain, can I just can I say something, bosses? I had to work all day, like 11, 12, 30, and 2, and I had a headache. I, just, I, I had a headache. I probably should have called in. I had a monster headache. Well, you all remember last Thursday, I was like, I had like this weird sore throat. No, I didn't have a sore throat. My voice was kind of like lower than normal, but I said I, fa- I sounded fine. I don't know what happened over the past week, but it's kind of like I had like the disjointed flu. Like, I would just have one symptom each day for seven days. Like, specifically, I think it was Monday, uh, President's Day, I just, I was so lethargic. I had no energy whatsoever and no appetite. And I haven't had an appetite for, like, a week. So I don't know what's going on. And I've had a headache, and um, I don't normally have headaches. I try not to complain about headaches, but this past week, I am so happy. I'm very happy with, with our faculty meetings. And one of the reasons why it's been actually going uh, quite a way, quite a while, is because we've been having uh, union discussions, and those union discussions can kind of uh, can you know can take some time. So, anyways, what's our featured discussion today? And I started the show by saying that um, I misled myself on the topic. Like I have like this board of what I'm going to be talking about uh, in future episodes, and I had uh, I had on this show this week. It just said God power. And the reason I had God power is because I read somewhere online, I just read the article article headline, this is the problem when you read an article headline, and it said, new God power is going to change comic books forever, and so I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to talk about characters that have the power of God, and can they take, like, how does that distinguish them from other characters, and that's where I want to go in this discussion, but then when I read the article, the article just said, it's something to do specifically with Fantastic Four, and I was like, no! I started screaming, because it was like, and this was like a day ago, and I was, because it was like, I don't know a lot about the Fantastic Four. Like, if, if you're my age, th- like, they've tried to do Fantastic Four two or three times now, and it just fails every time. Um, and so, I don't really follow a lot of the Fantastic Four. I hope they make a good Fantastic Four movie eventually, so I'll be like, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, so, I just decided to make a list of characters that kind of had, like, the power of God, and I want to question 
uh, whether these characters are actually God or not. And so it's a feature discussion I'm calling God Power. Um, one of the things that I think is going to make my characters uh, have God power is the is, is if they are impervious to pain or not. That's going to be one uh, threshold. So let's call that impervious to pain. Uh, let's see here. Uh, like I guess like how powerful the, their weapon is. And I wanted to see if, oh, if they can create life. I think if you can create life and take life, well, taking life is not that difficult, but creating life, well, I guess, you know, parents are like that, aren't they? Uh, but creating life out of nothing, I guess, it'd be more like a, of, of a God description. And these characters I'm going to talk about can either be, I guess they're just more like pop culture references. Uh, like I said, I made like a small list. I, was, I wasn't hoping I'd be able to talk very long about them. Uh, but, you know, here we are. So, anyways... Uh, let's see here. So the first one I'm going to talk, I'm going to start talking about is Superman. I think this is a, this is an obvious one uh, because wh whenever you whenever you're in debate, there's always like that, and you're and you're kind of a nerd. There's always the debate, you know, who who will win in a fight, Superman or Batman? And everyone's like, well, that's easy, Superman, because you know he he's like he's pretty much like a god. Like he comes from a planet of gods, and so whenever he's here on Earth. And he gets the he gets his nourishment from Earth's yellow sun. He's essentially godlike, and so all he has to do is just snap his fingers, and then you know Batman's head flies off. And so, does that make Superman a god? Well, he does have a flaw. Like if you were going to call Superman God, would you say God is flawless? And I would say probably that's maybe another thing that we need to talk about is God flawless, and and and, and Superman is not. You know why? Kryptonite. How can you call Superman a god if he has kryptonite, right? He, he seems to be pretty weak at that moment. Uh, now, maybe maybe God is weak if you don't believe in him, but I guess that's more of going to be like a personal god. Uh, let's see here. Did Superman create life? Uh, I don't, don't we think that he, uh, he... Do him and Lois Lane have a baby? Uh, there's a funny discussion in the movie Mallrats where if Superman has, like, super sperm, uh, does this Lois need a super uterus? And so the only person that would have a super uterus would probably be Wonder Woman. So even though he's going to need, I guess, <laughs> Lois's egg to create life. And then also Superman is impervious to pain. Uh, wasn't he destroyed by a man named Colossus? Uh, like who, who killed Spy Superman? Was it Colossus? Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll look look that up right now. But just right there, he's not going to be Doomsday. That was it. Doomsday killed Superman. And so right there, I don't think that that Superman is God. I think Superman has the power of God. You guys hear me typing? All right. So the next one I'm going to talk about is Doctor Manhattan. Uh, this comes from Watchmen. And if you come to this podcast for uh, deep, like, Watchmen discussions, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get it here. Uh, for starters, I've only seen this most recent HBO series, um, Watchmen, and I spent half of it confused, right? Like, uh, I even, the only reason I even knew that there was, like, stuff happened in the previous movie was because the podcast that breaks down TV shows told me that it did. 
And so I knew I was missing uh, missing out on stuff that was probably happening in the early, in the movie that was early in the 2000s. Uh, but you know the show still does a really good job of <clears throat> uh, painting the life of Doctor Manhattan. Uh, one thing that makes him kind of like like a god as as far as like um, Superman has the power of God is that he's omnipresent. He says to uh, his wife, which I, her name eludes me right now. Uh, but she's like the female lead in this uh, in this Watchmen on on television. Is that he's omnipresent? He's in like every moment well, with her. There there are there is like a certain time where he begins and ends, like not knowing what's going on. But if he didn't have that moment specifically, he would be omnipresent. Uh, he did create life uh, with her. Like let's just let me just ask for the lead lead character name. But then again, it, it, he's going to need her to uh, create the uh, create the life. Oh crap! It's taking me to the comic books too. My sincere apologies. So he he can't create life himself. Uh, oh, by the way, his name is Doctor John o- Osterman, and is he impervious to pain? In the show, um, they have a weapon that can take him out. But if it wasn't for that weapon, then he would be impervious to pain. So maybe. Maybe I do want to take it back with Superman uh, because there is one thing that hurts him, and it's kryptonite. And so there is one weapon that hurts Dr. Manhattan, and it's the weapon that is discussed in that show. Man, my errors and omissions are going to be big next week, aren't they? So would we say that Dr. Manhattan is a god? I would say yes because of his omnipresence. Why am I typing these out? No one cares. Okay. Oh, by the way, guess what I did on Wednesday? I watched Avengers Infinity War again. Like, for the seventh time. And I justified it to myself. I was like, I'm gonna, I have to do some research on, on for the podcast, for the radio show. And so it comes to uh, Thanos. So is Thanos a god? And I would say, yes, if he has all of the stones. Um, he he doesn't create life. He, he definitely can't create life. He's never created life out of anything. He can take life, but obviously any human can take a life. Uh, and and so in so much that he didn't even like have Gamora. He adopted Gamora, so we know that he can't necessarily even bear a child. Um, why do I have the Soul Stone? I, I, it says here, I guess it just says the Soul Stone has the ability to take a life or... Uh, yes, so he has that ability. Uh, he is killed or he is taken away in, in, in the Marvel, uh, in, in Avengers Endgame. And he doesn't seem to be impervious to pain. You know, um, he got just a, he got a cut on himself uh, in the last... Um, in, in Avengers Infinity War, right? Remember he said all that for a drop of blood? It seems like uh, Scarlet Witch is hurting him in the in the end game, and then once again, you know, Iron Man snaps his fingers, and he uh, and the, boom, there he goes. Speaking of Avengers, is Thor a god? The big thing with 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 Thor is is all about him being worthy or not. He doesn't even seem he doesn't seem to care that he's a god. He just wants to make sure that he's worthy enough to pick up his hammer. Um, in this show, it, I'm sorry, in this rendition of Avengers or in, or uh, the Thor, or the um, all the the seven realms or whatever, uh, there might be multiple gods because isn't Odin a god? 
Like, if Thor is God, well, what does that make his dad, right? Like, God, God? What about Loki? Uh, Thor does survive the snap, so that kind of proves that, uh, that that he may be a god, that he can even survive that catastrophic event. But again, that could have just been random. Um, if he's extremely hard to kill, like if you like all the all the things, all the licks that he's taken in all these Avengers movies, and he still you know looks as good as he does. Uh, he's also f- he's like fifteen hundred years old, so apparently he can't die of old wa- old age. Otherwise, he'd already done it. But it also doesn't seem like he's impervious. Like uh, like Thanos was really uh, knocking the tar out of him in Avengers Endgame, and I'm sure Hela had her way with him in a few a few moments of uh, of Thor Ragnarok. I think of all the of all these Avengers movies, I think I don't like Thor the most. I don't remember anything that happened in any of the Thor movies, even though I've seen all of them. Then we have this other uh, Marvel character, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers. Uh, she seems to be impervious to pain too. Like um, even if uh, even whenever Thanos hit her with the power stone, she just seemed to like back up a little bit. Uh, she can you know zip through the universe no problem. So she doesn't have to have like any like special mask or anything to fly through space. Uh, she also survived the snap, so that means that she can you know she might be. Uh, she might be able. She might be impervious in that regard as well. Yeah, not much more to say about that. Uh, once again, if you're, li- you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar, with about say nine minutes left to go, follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. Yeah, it says here I just have six minutes left. Wow. Is that because I should have a little bit more time than that? Maybe I'll play my music, and then I'll come back and talk a little bit more. But I'll let you know whenever I'm done there. Uh, there was one more character I wanted to talk about, and that was Elsa from Frozen. Elsa might be the only character on the show that I've talked about today that actually might be a god. Because did did Thor create life? Did Thanos create life? Did Superman create life out of nothing? No, they didn't. But you know who did? Elsa. She created Olaf. The snowman. Do you want to build a snowman? Maybe that should be our oops all music today. (laughs) No, but for sure... Elsa created Olaf out of nothing. She also seems to have a huge effect on the climate in her world. But obviously this is without me seeing the uh, this, this latest Frozen movie. Should I see it? I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I'll watch it with Frankie later on. Um, and she's extremely powerful. I'm not sure she's impervious to pain. But I think of all the characters I've spoken about today, I think Elsa's it. I think Elsa's a god. Of course she is. She's in the Disney universe. Now, does that mean that she is the Dos Ex Machina? No, it is not. The Dos Ex Machina is is a is a term that's derived from uh, it, it means God from the machine. So Dos Ex Machina is a plot device to solve an impossible problem, right? 
If you remember the movie Revenge of the Nerds, two, I think it was two. Sorry if I just spiked there. Um, they they were literally put on a deserted island, four fifths of the movie into the movie, and there was no way they were going to get off this island and then make it back to the spring break and 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 save the day. And then suddenly, they fall into a bunker and they find all this equipment. Escape off the island. That's Dos Ex Machina. Oh, I think Captain Marvel is the Dos Ex Machina in Avengers Endgame. Like, how on earth is Tony Stark, who's on Titan right now, supposed to get back to Earth in a spaceship that he doesn't know how to operate? Like, all Captain Marvel does that entire movie is just deliver us back Tony Stark. Look at the definition of it. A plot device to solve an impossible problem. How do we get Tony Stark back from Titan to Earth so he can help in Avengers Endgame? Oh, Captain Marvel. She can just fly through the universe. And no one even question that she would just, would she ever get tired of carrying this big machine through outer space? He reaches. And this has nothing to do with the movie Ex Machina, which is pretty good, by the way. All right. I didn't really talk about a lot about the weapons, did I? All right. Well, with ten minutes left, geez. We still have, like, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a song here, and uh, maybe I'll come back for the last three minutes. I definitely want to. Let me talk about, uh, you know what? Let's just do that car-sized turtle fossil. <laughs> I know I'm jumping around here. Let's do that. Let's do that car-sized turtle fossil. Yeah. This one is submitted by Jessica Edgar, my lovely wife. Uh, seven days ago, a giant turtle fossil was found the size of a car once roamed the earth. Now I'm getting like, of course it's the Washington Post. Uh, it's just a bunch of ads, and I can't get out of them now. So yeah, they just they this um, they found some uh, in, a, in the name the turtle Stependimus geographicus is believed to have roamed the region between 13 and 7 million years ago. The fossils were found in Colombia's Tatacoa Desert and Venezuela's Yurimaco region. The first stupendous fossils were discovered in the 1970s, but many mysteries have remained about the four-meter-long animal. It was about the size and weight of a saloon car and inhabited a huge wetland across north, northern South America before the Amazon and Orinoco rivers were formed. Oh, and so there's a man just, like, uh, like laying right next to it. If you go to the BBC News uh, World Latin America article about it, <coughs> the turtle was far bigger than humans. Oh my god, that is pure, unconcentrated nightmare fuel right there. Can you imagine that thing is eating, your, eating a pair of your pants? <laughs> I'm still playing with my prices Right soundboard. And no, it, but it ties in really good to the computer, so that works awesome. One away horn. Let's see what one away horn sounds like. Oh, it's just a car horn. They should just write car horn on there. But anyways. All right, folks, thank you for joining us so much today. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, a little bumpy here and there. 
it, I think it, you know, once again, it's probably because I kind of misled myself on the uh, on the topic, and I, I, I got on to a, onto a topic that I don't really know a lot about, so live and learn, I guess, right? So anyways, uh, my song this week, if you don't mind, is, let's go back to the front there, oh, um, did you hear the news about Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, he might have Parkinson's, no, he, or he does have Parkinson's, which is super sad, he is a uh, he's been a rocker for a really long time. Um, he is like the he's one he's like my my uh, my favorite comedian Jim Norton. Like he is Ozzy Osbourne obsessed, and um, and I'm I, and I brought up this song for two reasons. One, uh, Ozzy Osbourne uh, has Parkinson's, and two, um, he wants to bit a bat, and biting a bat is one of the reasons or one of the ways you can get coronavirus. So, anyways, uh, here's Ozzy Osbourne with Crazy Train.
Actually didn't go too bad, so I'll just I'll save that. That is um, it's a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know if if I uh oh oh it's okay, so it's auto playing. That's really funny. So because it's uh, because it thinks that I like that video, it w it thought I would like this other video. That's hysterical. Uh, okay, so I have the buzzer now, so I can go there at any time I want. That's hysterical. Okay, if you're still listening, we have about 23 more seconds left. Um, let's see here. We are going to we'll just talk about the shows over the next couple weeks. Um, I want to talk about sleep, the sleep revolution, uh, why sleep is so important. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge topic that I'm always interested in. And then also kind of like a fun topic uh, as we start uh, Walking Dead, I want to start talking about uh, Frankie and the zombie apocalypse. Remix is made up of thousands of stories made by hundreds of radio makers, podcast producers, amateur lovers of sound, and people. I'm just saying, like I think it, all the things that would have be a problem if Frankie was in the zombie apocalypse. Okay, that's it. Bye.